Grace to you and peace from my heart to yours, friends. Is God among us or not? In my mind, this is one of the top two theological questions in the whole Bible. The other one belongs to Pilate when he asked Jesus, what is truth? But here in that first reading that we had for today, the Israelites ask, is God among us or not? The search to understand where is God in the midst of suffering is called theodicy, and sometimes this is associated with a crisis of faith in times of uncertainty. The Exodus story that we've been reading now in worship in the lectionary for a few weeks is a story of liberation. God's people are freed, but learning to be faithful in an unfamiliar place. Their liberation is yet to be realized in the courage and the moral imagination to see how God is calling us to live in new ways in a new world. Not going back, but not quite sure yet what it means to live in the freedom of faith in this new normal. Does that sound familiar? Is God among us? Or not. And remember, at this point in the story, this is before the Ten Commandments, this is before the Ark, this is before the law. In a sense, this is before religion. It's before these rituals that we know. So faithfully navigating new life is hard enough before you add the feeling of being lost and parched with no water to drink. And here at the outset, I want to make sure that we don't over-spiritualize this message. I don't want, I don't mean a metaphorical thirst. If you've cared for a loved one post-anesthesia or through long-term treatments that desiccate the body, you know what I mean. If you've lived and experienced life in arid bioregions like the wadis of the Near East or Saharan Africa, you likely know how the trauma on the body is a wilderness experience. It's not like it, it is the wilderness that unmasks any false duality between flesh and spirit, and that struggle can lead us to ask the same question, is God among us or not? Today, the UN estimates that 1.2 billion people live with scarcity of water. That's 15% of all human beings on this earth. But among them, women and children are the most affected, and this is why Article 14 of the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women states, women have the right to enjoy adequate living conditions, particularly in relation to the water supply. And Article 24 of the Convention on the Rights of the Child says to combat disease and malnutrition through the provision of adequate nutritious food and clean drinking water. So this raises ethical questions about justice, but also about the spirituality of life for women and children who are more likely to experience life in a similar way to the Israelites wandering in the desert. Their thirst led them to test and quarrel. In Hebrew, it's Massah and Meribah. So were they just being proto-human rights defenders against God's treatment in the wilderness? No, people of faith promote the right to water because holy wisdom teaches us that water is fundamental to our being. 
Jesus teaches the disciples that the compassion of giving someone a cup of water is a faithful witness to the presence of God because it embodies that truth that you were whole and you are dignified and your body is beloved. Notice the text this morning does not suggest that God responds to this test with indignation, but rather grace, telling Moses, yes, go, stand at the rock. I want to point to a deep parallel to the Blackfeet and Lakota nations who gather at Standing Rock to protest the Dakota pipeline, declaring Miniwikoni, water is life. These water protectors are indigenous people in one of the most arid regions of North America. Their ancestors hone lifestyles to live with the scarcity of water and not demand more from the earth. But now they speak against changes in land use that threaten that delicate balance. And at Standing Rock, they demand their right to sacred water in recognition of the holiness of the sky people, the earth people, and the water people. They refuse to pollute their waters, but the waters now are filling with silt and chemical runoff, with medicines and microplastics. And due to these practices, we're actually running the story of liberating the water from the rock in reverse. The Creator provides these sacred springs, which we now clog, restricting rights to water. But their goal is also to protect the sacred right of water, because water is sacred. And as Philippians points us to in the second reading for today, not sacred like God, but rather water is holy because water has a memory of participating in God. So what does this mean? First, remember that all the water on earth has always been here in some form. Matter is conserved in nature. So the hydrogen and the oxygen that was ejected from the stars that formed the water that covered the face of the earth and cycled through that thin envelope that is the earth's atmosphere, that's the same water that the dinosaurs drank, that fed the plants, that formed every living organism that's ever lived and died and returned to the earth to fill the seas and the rivers that Moses and Buddha and Jesus and Muhammad drank. It's the same water that Christ transformed at the wedding that now melts from the ice of Mont Blanc and flows to the Rhone into your tap that you will drink today. Water is an ancient traveler that has participated in all that has ever been, including you. But water is also a faithful witness to us if we can perceive what it knows. Water has been formed and reformed in these ways over eons by energetic bonds. And each joining and rejoining of molecules, there's a remembering of what was together before. Divine energy bound this water that retreated from the land to generate life. The water that parted for the people of Israel to pass. The water that surrounded Jesus in Mary's womb for nine months while the spirit became incarnate in flesh that was 75% water that was then baptized in the water of the river Jordan 
That's the same water which was joined by the word in your baptism. It's the same water that came from the rock at Mount Horeb. The water in our rivers today has participated in our salvation history. And this is the sacred memory of water. This is how we speak of the rites of water. And among the countries that we pray for this week, Ecuador has constituted the right to water. And Colombia actually granted rights to a river. The Rio Atrato is one of four rivers granted the rights of personhood. The rights of Pachamama and her rivers are rooted in this wisdom that the earth is an organism that has an agency and a, and a kind of self-knowing. Now, I know for some people this is difficult, but the Bible is full of this wisdom. And if you want to go deeper into that, ping me and we'll follow up. But for now, let's go back to the text. Back to God's instruction to Moses. What made the water come out of a rock? It's a miracle, for sure. But a miracle is just something that happens outside of our frame of understanding or perception. But notice this little detail. God tells Moses, take in your hand the staff with which you touched the Nile. Strike the rock and water will come out. See, there had been a relationship between the water in the Nile and this staff. They had met before and here in the rock, they meet again. More than a miracle, Wood, rock, and water have always subsisted together in the holiness of God. And now these elements were remembered in order to participate in the liberation of these beloved people of God, to help them to see God anew. So was their testing really a crisis of faith? In a barren place, thirsty, unable to see what will be, is the question, is God among us or not, really a question? The Hebrew scholar Adina Moshavi has shown, shown that in Hebrew speech, there are performative dimensions to these questions. More than interrogation, they're pragmatic. In other words, they already know the answer. It's not a question, it's a confession. Is God among us or not? There's an easy way to relate to this. For everyone who's a parent or for all of us who have been a child, when a parent says, are you going to clean your room? This is not a question, this is a comment. Admittedly, it's not the most nonviolent way to speak, but it's the way we do. My son Luke is here today. When I say, have you taken out the recycling yet, what do I mean? It's not really a question, is it? I know the answer. So in this painful time, I say this because I'm calling God to task. I expect God to show up because I trust that God is there. This is a generational wisdom of faith learned from wilderness experiences long before COVID that blesses us now 
in this time such as ours. So friends, when we stand and we say water is life, we do more than decry ecological destruction. We confess that the water participates in God throughout generations. When we stand and say black lives matter, we do more than weep for racism and condemn systemic racism. We confess that each black and brown body is a temple of God's spirit. When we dress in black on Thursdays, we do more than denounce patriarchy and violence against women. We are confessing that each woman's dignity is rooted in the image of God that she bears in her body that in baptism is joined to the mystical body of God. So in the wilderness of suffering and injustice, this cry, is God among us or not, can be a faithful lament, a confession that I expect to see God, and so I will wait here, I will hold this space and I will keep watch. In the shadow of the cross, I cry because I know God is there, because everything subsists. The joy, as well as the death, as well as the life, as well as the suffering, are all experienced in the bond of the Spirit. So friends, like the Israelites, our liberation begins with trust in this good news, that we're never alone. Deserts are not God-forsaken because all creation participates in the salvation of God who comes to us today in word and water, remembering Emmanuel. God is here as gift and promise in the middle of our new wilderness, wherever that may be for you, helping us to see holy wisdom as she always is, graciously and abundantly right here. So I know this is hard to remember. Sometimes when we feel parched or stuck on a stone or tempted to test and quarrel, Massa and Meribah, but friends, drink deeply because today the water remembers to us this good news that it never forgot. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead. Take in your hand the staff with which you touch the Nile. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock. Amen.